On episode 43 of the Driveline R&D podcast, we have guest David Howell, development coach in the Toronto Blue Jays organization, former intern in the Driveline R&D department, and self-taught king of pitch design. David was an early contributor to the quantitative pitch design scene with a publicly available pitch design and recommendation web application. He was an analyst at LSU Shreveport for a season before landing a job with the Blue Jays. Today, we talked about how he got into baseball analytics, some of what his role looked like at the two different coaching analyst roles, what the COVID season might affect going forward in baseball, and much more. Enjoy. One. Travel R&D Podcast, episode 43. This is Alex Caravan, co-host, uh, manager of data science at baseball, or uh, traveling baseball. <laughs> Jesus. At baseball, traveling. The only... <laughs> Bro, I manage all data science within all of baseball. Uh, <laughs> only person ripping an alcoholic drink on this podcast, keeping it rolling with a dank full IPA. Lindley? Uh, Lindley, sports and engineer, traveling at baseball. Uh, and I'm trip, ripping a uh, decaf. Coffee, keep it in non-alcoholic this week. I'm Anthony Brady, primary host of the R&D Research and Drinks podcast, uh, sports science manager of baseball at Driveline, and uh, yeah, I'm just oh, I'm just ripping a coffee today. Black, no cream, no sugar. It's definitely not decaf like Lindley though, so I'm at least a little above that. Is that kind of a psycho move? I mean, it's uh, decaf. Yeah, I mean, um, it's, it's late in the day for you. It's late in the day for you. But anyways, we got a special guest. Um, the the one time and always uh, king of pitch design apps on the internet, David Howell. Uh, David, how's it going, man? It's good. It's good to see you guys. Yeah. So so uh, for people not to know, David, past employee at Driveline, past college analyst, uh, current pro analyst. So. Uh, do you kind of want to just give a quick riff on on how you got into baseball analytics and what your path's been been like? Yeah, so well, shoot, um, like I always, uh, I always like baseball. Um, you know, growing up, and uh, yeah, I, I was never very good at it, um, and so like I, I came across it, it was like the uh, um, it was like the, the summer before my senior year of uh, of high school, and I uh, I started to kind of like think, like, okay. I should probably do something about, you know, being shitty at baseball. <laughs> so, uh, I, I, uh, I started doing some research. I, I, I came across like a uh, Kyle's blog. Um, that's how I kind of got familiar with driveline. Wait, what um, year was this? This would be summer 2015. Okay. And, and this is Kyle Bodie, not Kyle Lindley for anyone, <laughs> anyone, uh, anyone thinking he's talking about Lindley's book reports on, on medium, but, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, so, uh, yeah, from there, like I, uh, um, I kind of trained on my own, like out in Minnesota, um, wasn't, uh, like I, I made some progress, still wasn't all that great. Um, made more progress like the following summer when I, uh, I got in touch with this guy named Casey Jacobson. Um, I was managing a, a facility out in Minnesota. Um, he's now a coordinator with the Cubs. I, I think he was briefly a drive line. Um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, like made some progress still wasn't all that good. Um, at that point I was starting college and, uh, like my whole idea was like, uh, just trying to get through college as fast as possible. Yeah. And so, um, I was going to the university of Minnesota and, uh, at that point I kind of just figured like, okay, um, 
you know, the space stuff's kind of interesting, but I uh, kind of figured I'd, I would just go work some office job in the, uh, in the Twin Cities or something. And like summer 2018, uh, uh, I interned at this life insurance company in St. Paul. And I was just fucking miserable. Like <laughs> it was uh, it was terrible. I, I was working like the uh, like the IT department. I, I was like testing like software. Um, you do you got a life insurance policy on yourself? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. Um, but I uh, I just hated that. And uh, uh, I figured, like, okay. I, uh, at, at that point, I was graduating in in December. Um, and so uh, then I was just like, okay. Well, I, I should probably find know something that i that i don't hate um and so i i didn't have like much for technical skills at that point um but i, I applied for like a, a bunch of like jobs internships with teams and stuff and like didn't hear like really anything back um so that was kind of frustrating uh but like at, at the same time like completely understandable because i had like no like you know yeah. you know yeah. demonstrable uh you know work or talent or ability in any in any regards right. so and so uh, from there, uh, like uh, I was just chilling at home, uh, came across a, uh, a posting for like a grad assistant position at LSU Shreveport. Um, and I applied for that, uh, got it. Um, but that, that wasn't starting until like August 2019 last year. And so then right. um, I'm like, all right, I, uh, I got quite a bit of time. <laughs> I have to go down to Shreveport. Um, you know, I should probably, you know, work on building some stuff before then. And so then I uh, started my own blog, uh, wrote some things. I got the interest of like a lot of places. Um, Carl, Carl cool, Sabermetrics. Yeah, yeah, yep. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I, I wrote a few things on there and then like things got uh, a little bit crazy. Um, like a team started reaching out, like Driveline reached out. Um, and uh, yeah, so from there then. Did you want to talk about, do you want to talk about the stuff, the stuff you wrote? Because I think, um, at least two of the pieces that I'm thinking of are still like, w- like two of the better open source pieces on, on both the subject areas. And it's understandable. I think why you got a ton of attention, but yeah. Did you want to go in that a little bit? Sure. Uh, yeah. So let's see. What, what, what ones are you referring to? What, well, <laughs> uh, I mean, the, the pitch design one, and then probably the, the, the hitter cluster, which I actually don't remember if you wrote that pre starting at traveling or not. Yeah. I, uh, I wrote both those pre-dry line. Um, but yeah, like the hitting, the hit, like hitter clustering one. Uh, I don't remember too much about that. Um, <laughs> truth be told, uh, like, uh, I know I was looking at just stumbled into baseball <laughs> analytics that doesn't remember any of his articles. Gets a job at dry line, <laughs> job in school and then job in pro ball. That, that's all you got to do. folks. That's all it is. It's easy. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, well, anyway, um, yeah, they, I, I was looking at like, uh, I don't know, just different ways of like grouping hitters together, together, I guess. Um, I remember a lot more about the pitch design one. Um, like that one, uh, like I, I was really just following driveline and everything. And, uh, like you'd follow like Jaggers, like Rob Hill on Twitter and you, you'd see him like posting about, you know, pitch design and using like rap set electronic cameras and everything. And, uh, I thought, well, it'd be pretty cool if like there was kind of like an, an objective way to go about like, okay, like figuring out like what a pitcher like currently has, like how good, you know, his pitches currently are and then what he can do to work on, you know, making those better, like what's like reasonable for him to like shoot for in terms of the target. So 
um, I ended up coding up like a, uh, like a shiny app to do that. And, um, and yeah. And then like, that's when things got kind of, kind of wild. But, Is your app still up by the way? Are people still using it? Is there a public link? Um, yes, I, I believe so. Like, I, I don't know how many people are using it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it should be up somewhere. Do, do you want to give a quick blurb on uh, on what the inputs and outputs usually look like when someone used it? Yeah, so uh, it was meant so you, you could plug in like numbers that you get from like RepSoto, which it's not perfect because um, like a, a lot of the models that would like determine pitch quality were built on like major league data, which mm-hmm. uses like TrackMan, and so you have to do like some some fudging the numbers to like make them match up or, or just adjustments. Um, so you'd input like, you know, velocity, you know, break, uh, spin, things like that. And then based on that and like models that are trained on like driving day at the big league level, like it, it would spit out like a, like, like a pitch score. Um, and then, uh, yeah. So it, it would kind of give you like a rough idea of like, okay, like this is how your stuff like currently stacks up. And then from there, uh, it was like a, uh, you know, say, okay, like looking at what others have been able to do with like similar stuff, like these would be good pitches for you to try to work on. That would be also like reasonable to do so. Um, where did you get, where did you get your like technical skill set and coding and everything? Cause you said you built a shiny app. Um, and then earlier on when you were like first pursuing baseball, you, you mentioned that you didn't have the technical skills as much. Is that something that like came, you learned R and how to build the shiny app and, and uh, navigate that space from your interest in baseball and like what you knew uh, you could do with analytics or was it kind of like uh, backwards? Do you learn some coding at, at the life insurance place and then, um, and then you just figured you could apply it to analytics or how did that go? Yeah. So um, like my major in college was management information systems, which was in the business school. Hmm. Uh, it was kind of a stupid degree. Like, I mean, I, you know, it wasn't bad or anything, but like <laughs> there's a lot of kind of eyewash. <laughs> no. uh, like, I don't know. You, you memorize like a bunch of business like frameworks and it's just kind of pointless, but there were like a, a couple coding classes. Mm. Um, and so th- those were helpful, but it was like visual basic. Um, and so um, like th- that stretch between like that fall and like the spring when I started like building stuff, like I, I largely just kind of taught myself R uh, more intensively. Um, and like I had like a book, like analyzing baseball data with R. Like I'd had that for a few years. Like I, I dabbled in R before, but never like really uh, kind of dived into like, you know, making stuff with it. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it was, it was actually like a pretty quick, like, I don't know, learning curve or whatever. Like I, uh, I picked a, like a, a lot of it up pretty fast, I think. But. Yeah. I think that's actually something like, it, it, it almost sounds kind of along the lines of what, uh, Caravan talked about this on the episode with Dan about like a lot of low hanging fruit uh, existing in baseball analytics and being able to like almost like carve your own path, be able to like, um, you know, look into your own things and create your own scores or metrics uh, kind of a thing, which is what you did with like very little experience or background at the time, kind of just like dove in uh, and were able to do that. And it's pretty tight pretty tight yeah no I, I think that's accurate like i don't think it was like uh um like I, I was like just outstanding technically or something um i think i think it was that like i, I was somehow able to like feel like okay well, this is kind of like a hot kind of topic in baseball like pitch design and then 
like I did something kind of novel around that, which is probably like the way to do it. Um, like if you're trying to like break into working for a team or something. And by, by the way, really quickly, I was just going to say, and not to just keep distracting off your, off your, um, kind of background answer, but I was just going to say, I think one of the first things that I thought was really cool about you putting out the business design tool and having it, which by the way, anyone can check out cargo, cool, saber, saber metrics. It's the pitch design portal on the, on the menu. I was just looking at it right now, but, um, a couple of things that I, I think pushed it pretty far. A, it, it was fairly early. Like there's, there's a lot of renditions as we both know of similar concepts out there now, but, but you were, uh, one of not the earliest open source one, very easy to use. You just put in like your metrics, I believe, uh, and like probably handiness and a, a couple more things. And then also just gives you gives you your movement chart, gives you like an idealized movement chart, and gives you a couple like pitch strategy heat maps, I believe. So yep. so like very easy to use, very easy to interpret, smooth user interface. Um, and again, just having it be open source, which is like one thing. Like we we, we were working on similar things, but like you know from a from a traveling company point of view versus like you kind of like an independent researcher point of view. We, we like weren't as quick to like put stuff out open source or like, like just give access to everyone, which, which you did. And I think like uh, those things like drove those things, A, were like spoke to your pro quick progress in the field and B, like allowed your tool to get a lot more views and use uh, than it would have otherwise. So, so I think that's really cool. But uh, yeah. anyways, as you were, you were talking, people, people, people started blowing you up and hitting you up for it with like pro team offers and, and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So like, that, that was a cool part. And like, maybe, um, if there is any sort of like takeaway for like someone else that would be trying to like work for a team or something, um, like no one was interested. Like when I, <laughs> uh, like the previous fall when I was applying for these jobs and I didn't really have any, uh, you know, like work to show off or like something to show that, you know, Hey, you know, I'm capable of like building stuff, yeah. uh, which just kind of makes sense. Right. Like, um, if, if people don't know that, you know, you, you could potentially contribute, like what, why would they be interested in hiring in the first place? Um, and so like, yeah, like from there, like it, it kind of changed, like as soon as I released that, cause then like, I think by the end of the year, like eight teams had reached out to me. Um, yeah. And like a couple of companies and everything. And so that, that was pretty cool. But anyway, like uh, Kyle reached out to me about like interning at driveline, uh, Bodie that is. Um, and uh and yeah, like that, that's something I kind of wanted to do. Like I, I actually, like, I, I don't know how many people know this, but I, I applied for like a, a customer support job at driveline, like the previous fall. Oh, I, wow. I, I, didn't, get, I didn't get that. Um, <laughs> which, uh, which I, I think is pretty, pretty funny in retrospect, but I could see you uh, just blowing people up in emails just and on the phone too. <laughs> yeah, be tight. I, you know, I'm not sure how, how good I would have been at that. Um, but <laughs> But yeah, but like, uh, I ended up entering a driveline, uh, after that, like I, I kind of knew I was still probably got to do to Shreveport after that. Mm. Um, and so then like summer wrapped up and, um, I went down to Shreveport in early August and then, yeah, then like, uh, summer from the Blue Jays reached out in September, um, went along with that process. And then it, it turns out like they reached out to head coach there, Brent LaValley too. Um, and, uh, he ended up taking a job with him as like the, uh, he was going to be the manager and, uh, for mm -hmm. the Vancouver Canadians this year. Um, at that point it was like, okay, well I can stay here. I, I, don't, I don't really know what the situation will be like, or I can, um, or I can work for the Blue Jays too. And so, nice. so that's what I did. Um, 
That's awesome. Uh, if if you guys were like you guys were pretty close then, um, you and the head coach, what what what's probably like your your most uh, proud of or your like favorite thing that you implemented at Shreveport? Uh, was it was it just like kind of implementing the pitch design tool that you made, or did you do some more like uh, other things specific to that team? Yeah, like uh, there definitely was some of that. Probably the uh, some of the cooler stuff is what, what got me the job in the first place, right? Like, so um, I, I think I actually remember emailing him on like I think it was January first of last year at like three in the morning. Um, <laughs> like, uh, I like uh, he, he had me like fill out like this this application. There was like a big questionnaire thing. Like one of the questions is like, what what is something you look at to like evaluate hitters or, or pitchers or whatever. So I said, yeah, well, um, you know, instead of like batting average or like it, it was nothing mind blowing, but it's like, you know, instead of like batting average, like, you know, slugging percentage or whatever, um, you can kind of calculate like a, like a rough, like way runs created for like hitters and then, mm. you know, like, like fit for pitchers or whatever. And then as like an example, um, I calculated it for like the, uh, like the entire like Juco region surrounding that, um, saying like, Hey, you know, if we're going to recruit out of Juco, like this is how we could maybe do it better than other AIA oh, wow. schools. Um, and, uh, and then eventually like we just did that for like the entirety of Juco. Um, mm. and so we had quite a bit of like info going into like recruiting before I had even gotten there. Um, so that, that was, that was pretty cool. I think probably the, uh, um, it's a pretty, uh, I don't know, like, uh, not many NEIA baseball teams like <laughs> would be recruiting based off of like, I don't know, like FIP or uh, way to runs creator or something like yeah. that. Um, so that was probably um, one of my favorite things about that. Um, but it, it was cool getting hands-on experience with players and uh, kind of diving into that uh, that area more too. Yeah. Did you do much coaching, or was it was it mo- more strictly um, analytics and, and recruiting and things like that? Did you get like were you on the field much, like working, like actually doing the pitch designs and whatnot, or were you just kind of support for this uh, coaching staff? Yeah, I mean, so I, I was there in the fall. Um, and it, it was definitely like a, a little bit of both. So, um, like when uh, when guys were throwing pens, like I was usually down there with the pitching coach, Rennie oh, Tolentino, um, and uh, and yeah, we we, we kind of worked together on that. But, um, but yeah, it was it was definitely a, a little bit of, of both. Like got some hands-on experience, got some, um, you know, experience just like implementing, you know, being like a one-man college analytics department or whatever. Nice, nice. Yeah, I was going to say, what were, what were the limitations on, on that, like, or like going from college to pro ball? I mean, obviously, like a lot of differences, but are you, are you, are you like, what, what things especially are you proud of, or are you glad you like first developed that in a more lower budget college analytics program before going to something with, with a, obviously a much higher budget, uh, more attention, more ability to kind of uh, leverage stuff? Or, or did you find more, more like a lot more flexibility and freedom in, in college? What was that transition like going from college to pro ball? Yeah, so um, I'd say one of the biggest things was, was just like the role itself too. Like uh, um, when I was with Shreveport, it, it was like uh, um, I was the entire like analytics department or whatever. <laughs> um, right. Whereas when I, when I went to the Blue Jays, um, like uh, my my official like title or whatever is like development coach, and so um it's more so like player focused like okay like rng's already built like a lot of tools that they use and um like the blue jays have, have like a, a really good r&d department um 
like I don't think they're usually talked about as having like you know one of the best in baseball. Like if you see like those charts saying like okay analysts per team or whatever, like yeah, those days are like middle of the pack, but like they're really fucking good. Nice. <laughs> um, so they they built a lot of like really cool tools and um, things that coaches can leverage. And so uh, with that, it was like okay, um, help us leverage these with, with the coaching staff with the players. Um, and so that that's largely what I was doing. And then like on top of that too, like just things like a Ed Shreveport, uh, we had a rap soto, but we didn't have like a high speed camera. <laughs> and right. so uh there are things like that where it's just um it is nice having more resources than you would at a small college. But. Yeah. I was just say kinda of quickly following up on that, and maybe this is something that you you're only gonna have a limited exposure to, but I mean, I, I agree with you. I think I think when people talk about MLB teams, it's kind of people talk about R and D teams, and I'm not I'm gonna miss some teams here, but I think the general consensus, especially from a kind of more removed point of view, is Astros seem like they jumped out ahead for you know a couple years ago. Uh, Dodgers and Yankees both have a ton of money and a lot of resources in R and D, and then like depending on, like to various tiers, teams kind of fall below and. Random tiers, and then there's a couple, a couple at the bottom uh, that I won't name, but like you know, in the industry, people talk about like that team, and oh, that team's just getting in analytics. That team has like no firepower. They have like two analysts, so like you know, if you have two analysts, there's only so much you can do. You have it's just requests at that point, you know, or yeah. like or like support for for random questions that people want in R and D opinion. Do you do you think like how would you how would you judge uh, having been in pro ball for a bit? How would you you judge like? how good an R and D team or department is in pro ball. Is it ability to communicate with, with the players, the coaches, uh, is it size? Is it like number of tools? Is it like creative thinking or do like the coaches kind of have all the ideas already and the R and D team just kind of needs to respond and, 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 uh, throw shit out. So, so kind of an open-ended question, but, but curious to hear your thoughts. Yeah. So, um, I think it probably is the case. Of a lot of teams where, um, they have like really talented analysts, um, really good members of their R&D department, but just because, you know, the organization's a lot bigger than say like driveline. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, there, there tends to be like bigger gaps in getting that information from, you know, your analyst down to like, you know, your coach mm. and then like to the player. So like when you think about like, okay, let's say you're an analyst of the team, like you have a good idea. Like maybe you bring that to your, like your boss in R&D, maybe they bring it to someone in player development then, like someone player development brings to the coach, the coach brings to the player. Like there's a lot of like, um, there's a lot of steps in that whole process, which yeah. uh, was kind of cool about the, uh, the role I had. Cause it was sort of meant to uh, be oh, someone nice. where, okay, R and D could build the tool, whatever. And then, you know, I, I could help implement it um, with, with the players like uh, on the front line. So that was, that was pretty cool. But I think that's probably just the, the general dynamic in any organization, like regardless of like how, how good their R and D department is, like there's, um, like w- when you compare like a, a pro team to like a college team or, or even driveline, like there's just a lot more steps in getting information from one place to the other. Yeah. I feel like that's a pretty like fire role for, for you to slot into based on your previous work too. Like e- even just with the, you know, that the pitch design tool that, that you had basically created, um, like foundationally, I think like one of the best parts about it is taking like, uh, whole bunch of like more or less like complex metrics or things within the baseball space that not a lot of people understand that have like a pretty tough learning curve to get over 
and then kind of like diluting that into just like one metric, right? Like trying to create just one number that's the value of the pitch based on like all these other things, you know, like horizontal break, vertical break, all these things that people might not understand. And so like already understanding that just like taking that complex and making it simple that, you know, not a lot of people can understand right off the bat what horizontal and vertical break are. But if you're just like, look, your pitch is worth like this much or it's this valuable kind of a thing. And then like making these changes improvement. I mean, I think that is just like so huge as is and kind of like being the, the bridge between, you know, uh, maybe like more in depth analytics work and then actually getting it to the player. Uh, just like stuff like that is huge. Have you had like, in terms of maybe with the blue Jays more success with things like that or, like, you know, what what is the interaction between, like, R&D, analytic side, and player? Like, how diluted is it at that point? Um, or how much, like, raw information are you giving, like, everyone to try to, like, work with them? Yeah, so I think that's one of the things that probably gets screwed up a lot. It's just, um, like, I don't know, if you – I think Bauer was saying something about this on Twitter or whatever, but, like – if you just look at like a tr- raw track and fly, like there's, there's a shit ton of info in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's very overwhelming. Like if, if you're not sure what you should be looking at, cause um, you know, it's a very easy way to get like domed up about the wrong things. If you don't know how to like distill it into like what you actually need to be worrying about. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, that's probably one of the, the most valuable things someone could probably do in like a, like a development coach type role or whatever is just, you know, taking a lot of the information from like the complex, you know, sources we have like Rapsodo, Tragman, whatever it is. And then like saying like, okay, like it's saying all this stuff, you need to be worried about like these two things. So, um, so then like, and when they're in the bullpen, they're not getting like domed up about their, you know, general slider spin axis when it's like just naturally going to be more variable for that pitch or whatever. And they can right. be more worried about, you know, throwing it harder and maintaining depth on it or whatever. Yeah. When it's inferred, dude, when it's inferred and Hawkeye saying something else, especially yeah. then, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I was actually gonna ask. I, I realize I don't know the answer to this myself, but are, are you doing more work on the? Are you still doing most of your work on the pitching side, or are you doing a decent amount of work on the hitting side too? No, pretty much exclusively on, on the pitching side of things. Oh. Okay. Nice. Where do you th- where do you think the uh, kind of most under underutilized piece of data or like way of thinking or or just like. Uh, I don't know, just general data sets that, that coaches and analysts, I mean, I guess you can't really, <laughs> but like, is there, I don't, you don't have to like give out your secret sauce, whatever, but if there's one area that nobody's really touching um, that you, you can talk about, I'd be curious to hear, hear what that is. Yeah. Like that, that was one of the, the shitty things about working for <laughs> a team is that like, you know, maybe you do do like some pretty like a novel research or whatever you you figure out some things that, you know, haven't been figured out like in the, uh, in the public realm. And then like the best you can do is just like vaguely allude to it, like on, <laughs> on the driveline podcast. Um, yeah. But I, I think like long-term, like it, it's still probably, it, it's an area that I'm not, um, you know, too, uh, too well-versed in, but, um, but it, it's gotta be like biomechanics. So like that, that is going to be the big thing like over the next 10 years, like how teams are able to use like the data they're getting from like, games um and then applying that to like actually getting pitchers better like um that I, I think still is like the biggest untapped area in just like pitching development at the very least um, yeah 
especially yeah. with especially with Hawkeye and in game, you know, potential like you know. I mean, Those if we can get pretty good, like high fidelity, you know, kinematic data from from games uh, at the level that Hawkeye claims to be and and could be, that'd be fucking. There's a lot, a lot to be mined in there, especially like paired with pitch level data um, as far as like movement and those metrics go. I think, it's, I think it's pretty tight. But okay, so bouncing off of Lindley's question, then knowing knowing what you know now in terms of like having worked for a year in pro ball, if you were going back to LSU Shreveport, like same scenario, would you do anything different? Would you like try to go after something else, use a different piece of technology, a different report? Um, is there anything that you would kind of like do different in, in working with players or getting back into like college analytics, I guess? Yeah, um, definitely. I, I think about that a lot too. Like, um, yeah, I think and like it was emphasized there and everything, but, um, I like, uh, like by no means, you know, were we, you know, advocating for the opposite of this, but just like mm. really emphasizing how important it is to like <laughs> throw harder in terms of like making all your pitches better. And, oh, really? Um, yeah. I, I, I think I'd have been, or I, I think I'd be more comfortable now, like, uh, you know, coaching guys up on, you know, drill work and, you know, that stuff where, yeah. like, when I went there, I, I probably wouldn't have been as comfortable with that as I am now. But, um, yeah, that, that'd probably be the biggest things because I, I think about a lot, like, the, there were some really good kids there like yeah they were good um and i think you know they partly probably got screwed just by the fact that um you know they were in nai and not like in an ncaa baseball because like yeah. a big thing out okay if you're a team and like you're looking at guys to like taking the late rounds in the draft like you're going to take like guys that you see or that you have like tracking data on and like hey there's something intriguing about this guy's you know breaking ball or you know his spin rate's really high on right you know it's fastball or whatever um and, uh, like, if you're not just, like, exposed to that tracking data set or whatever, like, you know, teams probably aren't going to see that. Like, hey, you know, there's something about this guy that, that's an outlier. Um, but what, what still catches, like, scout size and everything is just, like, being able to throw hard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so uh, if I could go back, like, I, I think that's something that um, we maybe would attack, like, a little bit differently. We'd probably use, um, you know, more video, like, different ways to, like, uh, help guys, you know, improve their, their mechanics yeah. or whatever. But, um, but yeah, but that being said, like, I, I know like Randy Talentino is still there at LSU Shreveport and he's doing a good job. So that's actually, um, th- that's a really good point. I mean, like we've like joked about it a ton, you know, like the best, best pitch design session is like working on fastball velocity kind of a thing, you know, it's like best pitch yeah. design is, is a good bench press or whatever. Right. Like there's, yeah. there's so much to that at the like lower levels. I mean, especially NAIA, right. Too. And I think a lot of times like people will take work that we do, uh, you know, blogs, research or whatever stuff that we've come out with that are applied to like 99th percentile players. Right. And then they try to apply it to theirs, which are most likely not. I mean, going from an 80th percentile player to like a 90th percentile player at the NAI level is way easier to just like increase velocity as opposed to like trying to manipulate your grip, maybe get more break out of your curveball, slider, whatever it is. Like ultimately at that level, throwing harder is the easiest like gain in your value, you know, but then at like the higher levels of baseball, like the professional level, that's kind of where you get more into like, 
okay, you have that like foundational velocity. Now, you know, more room for kind of like adjusting movement, maybe changing your profile to make it more effective uh, with the rest of your arsenal kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, the low levels is just like velocity is just is 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 and always will be king down there. Yeah, yeah, like you know, pitch design, all that stuff. Like, it's really important just in terms of like optimizing like guys' arsenals. Um, but um, at the end of the day, like. The, like the, the most valuable thing just from like a, you know, a coaching standpoint probably is, you know, at, at least when it comes to like pitchers, it's just to be able to help guys throw harder. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. 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 And, uh, and I think um, now I'm, I'm probably in like a little bit better position to like be able to help with that than, than I right. was then. But um, yeah. yeah, I think about that a lot. Yeah. No, that, that <laughs> makes sense. To- are you able to do much long-term coaching and, and development type work with players in, in the position you're at right now? Or is it mostly yeah. uh, smaller game time uh, adjustments that you're trying to improve their in-game performance with? Yeah. So I'm guessing like the role would have looked like a lot different this year if there was, you know, a, a full season. Cause I, I was going to be in, in AAA with the, uh, with the Buffalo Bisons. Um, and so I, I think things would have taken a little bit different shape um, in terms of what I was doing. Uh, this summer I was at the alternate site, um, in, in Rochester. And so, mm. um, like really I, I had like, it, it was one of the things that, you know, I really like about working with the Blue Jays is that like I, I have and had like a, a lot of freedom to kind of, you know, do what, you know, I saw fit. Oh, <laughs> um, nice. That's was, awesome. It was great. Um, like, cause I, I think that's one of the, uh, like concerns about going into like working for a team, right. Is that like, you, you know, you won't have freedom to actually like work on stuff for guys. Yeah. All of that. Like I, I didn't find that to be the case uh, with the Blue Jays at all, which is probably a, a credit to like guys like Matt Bushman, oh, yeah. uh, Matt Tracy run the, run the pitching department. And so, yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, yeah. Like in Rochester, uh, it was kind of an interesting balance of keeping guys, you know, prepared for potentially being in the major leagues like this year. And, you know, just developing, which is probably the, uh, the balance of strike in any, in any, like, uh, you know, season, I guess, in the minor leagues. But, um, yeah, the, the, this year is particularly unique, of course, because, you know, we are just kind of, you know, scrimmaging against our own guys at, every day. And so, yeah. um, so yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely a mix of both. Right. So, um, part of it was like, okay, like, you know, just from like, an objective standpoint, like figuring out what guys maybe should be working on and then like helping out where I can and, and helping them and helping them get there, whether that's, you know, usage of a certain pitch, like where they're throwing it, um, how it's moving, whatever, like pitches and stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was a, uh, it was a, it was a solid mix of things. Uh, yeah. You met, you mentioned that COVID kind of like changed that whole dynamic. Are there other, because this was such a weird season and the structure was so wildly different, um, a lot of guys weren't playing games at all. Um, what are are there any like longer term effects that you think this this season uh, and its structure can have on minor leaguers and the big league clubs as well? Like, do you think there's anything that's going to be uh, noticed in the next few years that are like directly um, or implicitly because of uh, the way that things happened this year? Yeah, so I I think there there are probably going to be like a handful of teams that, um, you know, based on what they're a, a, like able to accomplish at, at their alternate sites, 
um, they're like, okay, well, this is actually like a decent way to keep guys ready for like the major leagues while still kind of being a better environment to be like working on stuff rather than, you know, throwing like a, a triple game. So I, I wouldn't be shocked if you saw more guys like, uh, um, or more teams rather, uh, you know, if they have like something very specific for a player to be working on, um, I wouldn't be shocked if it'd be like, okay, you know, we can send you to AAA and, you know, have you keep banging your head against the wall or, you know, we can send you maybe like the complex or yeah. like a, a specialist coach or whatever and like work on this, this very specific thing. Um, uh, in the, maybe an environment where, okay, like performance in game, like isn't the most important thing like tonight uh, or whatever it is. And so um, I think that could potentially change a little bit. Um like, yeah, it's just going to be interesting to see, like, what players come back, like, lo- looking like next spring. It, yeah. it'll, it'll be pretty clear which ones kind of were able to take advantage of the time, which ones yeah, maybe had difficulty, like, getting access to resources or, or whatever. But, um, but yeah, uh, these next couple of years in, in baseball are going to be very interesting to see, like, what, what the whole uh, minor league situation looks like and how that's, uh, that's used to kind of supplement the big league team. Yeah. I've thought about that a lot, actually, in regards to this year, about how – like at first I could see, um, you know, players having the year off in terms of competition or, well, I guess most teams were doing some kind of like inner squad or as you guys were like playing against each other kind of a thing. Um, but almost like that extra year kind of showcasing when they come back next spring, the value of like a robust, like player development system, you know, like, Oh wow. Look at how good this prospect can get if he isn't out there like playing all these games and he can focus on like development, getting better, like whether it's velocity development, pitch design, or even on like the hitting side, right? That kind of a thing. Cause I mean, I know in my uh, career, like many times going into an off season or like, especially the point right up to the season, just feeling like I haven't had a long enough off season or like time to develop. And like COVID has kind of like forced everyone into, Hey, here's an extra, you know, 12 months to get better kind of a thing. So like, you know, I'm wondering if next spring um, prospects or, or guys in the program show up and they've just like made huge leaps that if they would have had to have gone to low a high a, you know, short season, whatever it is that they wouldn't have developed like the way that they did the year previously. But then I also think about how like, it's also likely that maybe they just didn't do anything, you know? So like, I I think you're right. It's definitely going to be huge separation. And when players come back, like it's going to be pretty clear who did like anything, who did it correctly and who just kind of like atrophied, you know, more or less. Right. And just came back as is. So yeah, it's pretty interesting. I I wonder what that'll like affect on, on the scouting side of things too. Like, yeah. Um, do you start to value like players in the draft that, you know, like use their off seasons to like really like focus on developing. Yeah. Like that I think is probably something I was unforeseen about this year, but it ended up probably being like a really important thing to determine like, Hey, you know, whether or not someone makes like a two or three mile an hour jump. Um, right. And so, um, yeah, it, it could definitely have implications across all sorts of yeah. areas. Um, There's a huge, huge opportunity in college, especially like college is where I think about it the most. Like every college baseball player just got a gap year. You know, yeah. like that's basically what they have. Um, and I just like thinking about athletes that have came, came to driveline and taking gap years. And I mean, sometimes, you know, like we've seen ridiculous like velocity jumps or improvements over just like a nine month 
uh, gap year, right? Like imagining that for the the whole like spectrum of college baseball, like just thinking about, you know, some guys that could come back next year uh, and just like the gains and development that they could have had. It's, it's really interesting. And then also the opportunity for just uh, zero gains uh, for athletes that like didn't do anything. So I do think it'll be pretty interesting like when when things get started again to see like, you know, who's on kind of what side of that outcome. David, sure. did you did you guys do any continued ed uh, type stuff with the players and like the, guy, the guys who you guys weren't kind of in contact with for the season? We talked to Bodie about um, they like did have like a YouTube library and, and did like Zoom classes or whatever to kind of like teach guys about whether it's tech or like whether it's what what makes a good pitcher or, or things like that. Um, did, did you guys uh, do any of that this season? And or, or do you personally think like it, it helps the players a lot to know that stuff themselves? rather than just like hear it from their coaching? Yeah. So uh, like w- when everything kind of shut down, um, we had uh, like a, a lot of the pitching coaches were doing check-ins with players and stuff. And I know um, like some of our guys like Dimitri Kikors, um, like he, he was definitely do- doing some of that stuff with, with his, uh, his check-in guys. Um, so um, yeah, like I, I know that was done. I, I don't think it was done on like just a, a wide, you know, department level um, mm. kind of thing where you, where you have like, I don't know, 80 pitchers on a call or anything like that, but it, it definitely happened in little groups. Um, I know like in Rochester, we, we try to keep things like, you know, instead of like having a classroom session, you know, like explaining spin axis or whatever, like uh, what we did is we, we kept things really focused for like each individual player. So they weren't, you know, worried about 15 different things. Um, and that, that's something I, I kind of picked up at, for like okay um like w- there were a few times where we had kind of like the entire pitching staff or whatever and like we'd be or I, i'd be like explaining something and it's like okay well this is going over everyone's head um you know as much as you try to simplify it so it's like okay um yeah. what is the best way to actually get this to guys and i think in a lot of cases like okay sitting down like one-on-one like hey th- these are the things you need to be worried about with you know your slider your change up whatever it is um yeah, like there definitely was some of that. Um, yeah. Two, two part question from me. One from uh, one, one from a viewer of this episode and and past guest Daniel Coyne. He uh, oh, he messaged me. He messaged me to ask you. Uh, oh no! What is <laughs> if this? You got, <laughs> if, if you got six months left on Earth, are you living in Shreveport in the summer or Rochester in the winter? <laughs> oh man! Wow, that is brutal. Um, you know, what's great about Streetport is that, like, uh, it's very, very, very cheap, very affordable living. Um, True. It has also got, like, one of the uh, the highest STD rates per capita. Wow. Um, STDs? Little-known little little fact. Um, did, did, did you bump up the average or bring it down? <laughs> <laughs> wow. I did not know that. I, I can speak to the no cheapness, comment. though. Uh, Holy cow. <laughs> Yeah, I, I remember oh, when yeah. we went there. I remember getting food when we went there, and like, uh, I just remember it being like ridiculously cheap for like a meal at a decent restaurant. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, it's absurd. It's also just hot as hell. Like it, it is incredibly warm, very yeah. humid. Um, whereas Rochester, I, I've never been to Rochester in the winter. Um, I'm guessing it can't be worse than Minnesota in the winter, though. Um, Ooh. Uh. I, I I think I lean Shreveport. Shreveport has raising canes. Damn. So, oh, let's go. True. True. And then and then that's second given. second part question. 
a little bit more complex of a question. Actually, I don't know if it's more complex, but I, I was going to ask, um, do you feel with, with the COVID dynamic and just overall advent of technology in baseball, are, do, are there any, any like rising technologies or companies that you're like particularly interested in or, or like ha- have gone a lot more appealing or interesting in the last couple of years that you're uh, especially excited about and, and, and to drop a couple like names that I'm thinking of, for example, um, you know, we have, we have an integration of pitch AI on, on, on track. Um, there's, there's a, a biomech company called reboot motion that, that a past, another past driveline employee started, Buffy, uh, James yeah. Buffy. um, obviously like Hawkeye, Hawkeye's new. We have Modus now, um, like Yakertex, a tracking technology that I think has, has improved quite a bit from where it was like a couple of years ago. Are, are there things like that that excite you or have you been most like sticking meat and potatoes or or have you been doing black ops stuff that you can't talk about in which case fair play <laughs> but uh yeah yeah curious to hear your thoughts on on those technologies and 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 what your uh general like integration of them is yeah i i think it's gonna be really cool when um when you can kind of have like a a pretty reliable like biomechanics lab in your pocket mm-hmm. <laughs> um so anything in that area like with the pitch ai is um potentially like a, a really cool cool thing um yeah I, I, i'd have to say like of those things that that's probably what i'm like personally most excited about like there's definitely like a lot of workload stuff with with uh with modus said um that's pretty interesting um yeah and like i, I, I mean by the like way a research standpoint uh, like oh go ahead no no I was, I was just gonna say i was just gonna say like uh if you want to ask us any questions i don't like some some stuff we can probably talk about some stuff we can't but for example like lindley's been super heavily involved in like modus research and like future developments as well. So like stuff like that. I mean, even if you got any requests on air, but we're like, Ooh, yeah. we, 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 we've been kind of like our, our first, uh, and, and this is coming from someone who's not super involved in modus, but our first kind of like order of business was to address existing modus issues and um, like get the, I, and again, Lindley can talk more about this, but get the arm stress relationship to weighted balls formulas a little bit more dialed. And then we're talking about, and then integrating everything. So everyone can have like, modus dash and track and and like no and like less data issues so to speak but but a lot of what we're pushing forward in the in the like midterm future will probably be like research initiatives so i mean bro if you got any ideas hit hit lindley with them or 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 uh or or, or ask lindley some tough tough ass questions yeah well, what have we learned from modus so far lindley oh man oh, wow uh we haven't we haven't done a bunch of analysis just yet. We just implemented on a wide scale, I think, uh, a month and a half ago or so. Uh, like Karen said, a lot of it is about just like kind of addressing some limitations of Modus before getting better like uh, attachment. So we're we're rolling out a new sleeve or like a new uh, strap here here coming soon. So a lot of it's been um, with that, and then also we're working on some reporting things. So we have a we have a trainer here right now, Devin Rose, who's uh, really into using the data for not only like it's like typically or like a lot of people kind of see Modus as a like trying to avoid in, like injury thing, like workload to just like mitigate injury risk rather than using workload and that I, that idea to try to uh, increase performance as much as possible. So we're kind of trying to reframe that and then figure out how we can use the data to um, kind of like just show performance increases and, and then uh, yeah. And then the other thing is just like fixing any issues with, with weighted balls um, because like 
first we address the tag thing. So it's easier to tag like the setting that you're in and all that. And then um, making sure that that tag leads to more like accurate data or whatever. Uh, so a lot of it's been developed like development type stuff. And we haven't, we haven't uh, done a whole bunch of research uh, just yet. Uh, Lindley, 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 what the fuck, bro? You're supposed to have a better, better answer no, than that. No. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I think from this point, I'll, uh, I'll run the podcast. So uh, my next question is for, uh, for Anthony Brady. <laughs> okay. Uh, Anthony Brady, we, we, we have talked about, you know, people using this time off, you know, to, to really focus on the development. How hard are you going to be throwing for the, uh, the Seattle studs next year? Oh man, that's a good question. That's a good question. Um, I'm, I'm hoping at least 90, I'll be pretty, you know, sad if, if it's lower than that, but, um, I have not, I haven't been, you know, training as, as much as I'd, uh, be proud to admit, you know, last time around, uh, Last time this year, I was I was getting a lot of a lot of reps in, a lot of work in on the ice rink. You know that was keeping me in shape. I don't have that as much this year with COVID, so it's just kind of tough. But um, I'll, I'll hit a ninety-two. I'll hit a ninety-two. Well, I think I can. That's that's within range. So yeah, ninety-two on flight scope, bro. All right, all right. <laughs> and we did right, actually. Sorry, no, go, go ahead, ahead, David. No, no, Lindley. We just had sure a, there was just a hockey, a hockey study that looked into the importance of uh, torso, like trunk rotation velocity and it's, and it's relationship with a wrist, a wrist shot. So I sent it to, <laughs> I sent it to Anthony as he's got some stuff to work on for next yeah. hockey season. We're gonna, we'll bring it down on the next, uh, <laughs> the next podcast, the next journal article on the podcast, wrist shot speed. <laughs> yeah. I've actually, you know, right. I've actually been spending a lot of time disc golfing. So even though, Ooh. you know, I don't have hockey going on, not throwing as much, my my forehand form, so the sidearm arm slot, it, it's pretty dialed. So, you know, uh, I don't think I'm atrophying too much. I think, you know, a couple bullpens, I'll be right back in there. No problem. Can you do that in the winter in, in Seattle? It's cold. It's not ideal. Uh, I'll tell you that much. Honestly, the, it's not even the weather, really, that's the hard part. It's the sun setting at 415 that is freaking tough. That's what that's what makes it, like, hard. Like, it's pitch black right now, and it's not even 5 o'clock. Like, it's brutal. Gotcha. Yeah. Caravan, uh, next question for you. Uh, explain yourself. <laughs> Man. <laughs> Bro, I got I got a pound. I got a drink. I got to take some of my beer first, dude. You basically just said caravan. Why? Yeah. Just why? <laughs> why? Uh, can we narrow down a little bit and focus? <laughs> I'm I'm gonna address anything on air. I, I just mean like I just want a little bit of want a little bit of focus. What's new? What are you What's working new? on? Um, let's see. What can I talk about? It's got a fresh pedicure. That is true. I did get a fresh pedicure. Um, well, two, two, two cool things that I think you'll appreciate that we're working on is revamped our existing spin efficiency model to, to have like even closer, uh, closer results. Because uh, I think, as you know, it's pretty easy to like build. Not pretty easy, but it's like it's one thing to build a spin efficiency model off like rhapsodal numbers and fit them a track man and like make like the the obvious pitches make sense, you know have fastballs in the in the high 90s on spin efficiency have gyro sliders uh you know low 
But um, we, we've been like recently working a bunch on just like now that we do have all these, we have a bunch of reports and tools and track and just like we're essentially actually putting up machine learning models to call in in the beginning of the script and have those like fine tune the the numbers. So essentially whenever we update, we can just push them. So probably this week, actually, I'm going to, I'm going to try to upgrade our spinoff, a spinoff model going to be a gradient boosted network for any machine learning nerds out there. And then one thing I tweeted about that I kind of left hanging that I want to, that I'm revisiting is looking at people's like deceptive vertical approach angles. So essentially like, uh, like predicting a vertical approach angle based off based off like an arm slot and then, and then seeing what it actually is. So probably like, uh, like it'll, it'll be based off a few different factors, maybe like some spin induced characteristic characteristics. Um, but essentially seeing like which, which vertical approach angles are actually like much more deceptive than what's expected. Uh, and then, and then seeing like how that plays, like seeing how each pitcher should kind of prioritize their own, uh, maybe intent and location or even maybe shifting their arm slot. And then, and then like with that, we're, we're looking at as much as possible, just building like match some like matchup based insights as well. Cause, cause we've kind of like right now we have a lot of this is a lot of this is like very prod geared. Cause over the last year, I don't know how much you can tell really from just falling dry them, but over the last year, like a big push was to get a bunch of R and D work into like third parties, third party clients hands. So we have, that's why we have all this stuff in track now, but, but we want to, we have like the general insights kind of dialed and we're trying to like individualize insights as much as possible, whether that's like arm slot adjustments, um, specific batter pitcher matchups, uh, specific like clusters, which is why I was especially thinking of your, your, your old school, uh, hitter, hitter cluster matchup, mm. um, or, 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 or something else along those lines. So, so we're working on that baby. Sweet. Yeah. That, that is one thing that I kind of thought during my, my time at Dryland is like, okay, you had like track and kind of a, a bunch of tools separate from that. Um, and that's been cool to follow because it, it always made sense for like all that to be like one. Yeah, I kind of think the, the tough thing, the thing, the tough thing also is, uh, and, and I'll get a little bit candid here too, because because I figure if, if people are still here after, um, you know, near the end of the pod, they deserve a couple of treats. But but uh, I'll, I'll be candid too, this far. from 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 the point of it's there's like a fine line between generating like deliverables for larger, and I'll use it. I'll give you an example in a second in case this is held. But like giving giving something for everyone, so they want to like buy whatever subscription of track, and actually like being really really comfortable and excited about uh, rolling out things. Uh, like f- like for example, we have we have quite a bit of we have like softball like clients, you know, and we have like some softball data. We're not softball experts. M- maybe at some point in the near future, we'll have done some work there. But like right now, we have softball clients on track. And our, our insights are all like baseball, you know, and, and, and maybe, maybe it's like, like that, that's like a, that's like a factor you got to, we got to weigh internally, whatever. But like, there's a fine line there between giving like, uh, you know, B minus level deliverables on softball and, 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 and just like waiting on until we have, we feel like it's an A level deliverable or if it never is like, we just focus on baseball, like that time sink into delivering something that's like a, like, whatever criteria that'll like keep those softball facilities buying track because there, there's no, there, there's like no softball analytics. Right. So it's like, we, we don't have that high of a bar to clear 
But again, that like cuts into like our ability to kind of keep pushing the cutting edge on a bunch of really cool baseball research. So, so it's, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting dynamic. And, and again, something that I'm, I'm being super candid on. I don't, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm going to get in trouble unless Mike Rathwell is watching this episode and is feeling, uh, especially, <laughs> it's feeling like I'm giving away too much stuff, but, uh, like, like that, that, that's, that's a good, especially tricky thing in, in today's environment where like revenue and being able to develop stuff remotely and access like all different types of, of athletes since like so many people now more than ever need mm-hmm. something to do remotely or a way to like access stuff without going through like, you know, face to face with an analyst, face to face with a tech company, all that stuff. Yeah. When's Mike coming on the podcast? That's a good question, actually. Episode 100. Yeah. <laughs> Next year. <laughs> That's a good question. Dang. You know, do, do, do you have any recommendations? I mean, uh, I think I told you, I think we're currently the plan is to have Eno on the podcast next week. Do you, yeah. do you have any ones that, do you have any uh, people, whether or not we have them planned to be on the podcast, but do you have any like ideas that would be especially cool to have on the podcast? Because before you give any recs, like the, the tough thing is not only them those people being cool, but also like obviously being able to have like a good broad convo that touches on like some some discreet, like obviously we have today. But yeah, do you have any specific people in mind that you'd be really excited yeah. to see? Well, first I must say like I'm sandwiched in between like two way more way more like interesting and popular <laughs> people than no no dude than whatever I can. just more famous that's all they got on you dude yeah. they're just more famous yeah <laughs> yeah okay that, yeah well anyway um but no yeah i, I mean you, you guys still haven't had like rob hill on right or max gordon mm-hmm. that's true you know any of those guys like yeah like i mean shoot get to those guys first those are yeah. those are two wild card episodes right there like <laughs> Yeah. Gordo, the, Gordo the could is, come on the episode with like in a tank top and a shotgun, and that's like it, you know. Just be wearing sunglasses the whole time. Yeah, dude, and, and an actual shotgun too, not even a beer shotgun. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, that's what that is. What that's what saying. I meant. He's just oh, okay. he's, he's he's sitting there with a yeah. shotgun, like. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good call. It's a good call. Okay, what about what about non driveline people? Anyone anyone out there we should have on our radar? I'll think about it. <laughs> okay. Okay. No good ones out, out of my head. I don't know. Damn, they they heard it, guys. If you don't work out driveline, you're not going to be a good guest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think. Well, I, mean, I, yeah. I don't think it has anything to do with yeah. that. I think it's more, yeah. you know, what your guys' target audience is. Yeah. Like, it is the driveline R and D podcast. Like, who? Like, like a hundred people listen to this. Like, bro, it's a very, dude, it's, it's very, very niche podcast, and you're just insulting our views like that. It's very niche. <laughs> That's two guests in a row, dude. Bodie was doing it before his episode, too. Yeah, Bodie's just upset that we overtook oh. the Driveline podcast as the primary podcast of Driveline Baseball. Actually, actually, last cue from, last cue from me, uh, David, I wanted to ask you this. Do you miss anything at all? Or what are your thoughts on kind of, you know, you're not, you're not as much on the radar for public research, like either posting stuff on Twitter or on your blog um, because you work for a pro team, amongst maybe other reasons. I don't know. But like, do do you do you miss anything? What, what do you miss the most? What do you miss the least from kind of being in the in the public research realm? Besides besides eating at Gators, because I know you missed that. I know you missed that. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's probably it's probably like aside from Gators. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, it, it, it is nice to you know 
work on something cool or, or figure something out and then, you know, tell everyone how smart you are. But, um, you know, I guess like that's not, um, I don't know, like, uh, I guess it's not all that sad. Like if, you know, you, you can't get publicly like recognized for something, but, um, yeah, yeah like I, I, I miss like driveline just in general, like, cause you know, it's a, it's a very, I mean, it, it's a ridiculous group of people. Like, yes. like the, the backstories on some of these people are absurd. Like, you know, whether it's, you know, Max Gordon, you know, Anthony Brady, um, you know, like freaking Joe Marsh, even like it's, uh, you know, it is a great group of guys. Like I, I miss that part of like, you know, driveline, like specifically or whatever. But, did you, did you just meet everyone in the Blue Jays org and you're like, wow, you guys are all very normal you know, well-mannered people. Very well, no, backgrounds. I mean, like, there's, there's definitely interesting people there too, but like the, the concentration of just like ridiculous people. Like, oh, yeah. is <laughs> That's so fair. That's fair. Absurd. Like they're, uh, I don't know, like, like they're, 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 there's a lot of like brain talent or whatever. Like they're, they're really smart people, but right. um, driveline attracts like a, a certain type of person too. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. I think that'd be fair to say. Uh, definitely fair. Where, yeah, the, the, there's something really interesting about a lot of the people that end up working there. But yeah, yeah, I don't think that's you know reaching at all. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, hey man, driveline, driveline misses you. Keep keep us in yeah. mind. Keep us in mind. Yeah. <laughs> keep us in mind. Well, Thanks for coming on, David. Yeah, thank you, Kyle. That was Thanks, fun, Alex. Yeah, and, and for anyone on Twitter, there just remember you come at the king, you best not miss. Always, <laughs> always leave it at that. That's that is true. Yeah, Th- thanks for coming on, Hal. It was good talking. Yeah, good talking. Are, are are you guys sticking around after like the the stream ends for a second? Yeah, yeah, we can do yeah. that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, uh, we'll, we'll cast it on the stream. Did you cast it on the stream? We admitted to our streamers that we had a second second underground podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, whatever said after this like goes on Patreon. Exactly. Yeah, the After Dark podcast will or uh, start right now. But that, that's going to do it. Uh, we got we got Eno lined up for for next week tentatively, but uh, it sounds like that will go down on uh, Monday. But yeah, other than that, th- thanks for coming on. And you guys, everyone else, we'll see you later. Peace.